This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 220 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, riding through 12 countries. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Equestrian Collections for all of your holiday gift-giving needs at equestriancollections.com and Stable Comfort by Promat for all of your horse's comfort needs at stablecomfort.com. Welcome to the Stable Scoop with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hail or high water while using their tails as their own fly swatters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop, cause it's time again for Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. This is Glenda Geek. And I'm Coach Jen. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Well, thanks for joining us, Jennifer. Uh, you know, we've had a, we've had a storm here. Uh, Hurricane Sandy hit, uh, as we're recording this, hit yesterday. And uh, Helena is in Rhode Island, so she was affected by the storm. We're going to check in with her and see how things went, and uh, we're going to get uh, her on the phone here in just a minute. But Jennifer and I are, are doing the rest of the show today, and Helena will be back next week. We wanted to give our best and our prayers and our thoughts to everybody, all of our listeners who were affected by this storm in New Jersey and Pennsylvania and all over the East Coast. Uh, obviously, it was a terrible storm, and also those that are buried in snow in West Virginia and uh, Virginia. That was pretty wild, some of those pictures of I the know. snow. I they've had, wow. they have had almost three feet in some of those places. Um, and, you know, you and I have driven through that part of West Virginia in the snow before, so we know what that's like. It's not fun. <laughs> uh, it's a very hilly part of the country, yeah. so... Uh, when it snows like that, uh, the going gets treacherous in a big hurry. Yes, it does. So we wish everybody that was affected by it the best and, you know, give your horses a, a hug for us. And we hope that you get your power back soon. So let's do this. Let's go right to Helena. Uh, we're, we have coming up on today's show, we have our monthly social media report with Jamie Clark of Yellow Barn Media. And then Jennifer and I uh, managed to wrangle a, an interview with a guest yesterday. And it wasn't easy, thanks to Jennifer's tenacity. We were able to get Felipe Leite, who is a Brazilian journalist that's on a little trip. Let's say a little 10,000-mile horseback trip. And we got him on the phone. We're going to talk to him later in the show as well. But let's first go to Helena and find out how she made out in the storm. Well, hi, Helena, and I'm so glad I'm actually able to talk to you and you aren't out in the middle of the Atlantic someplace. <laughs> no, although there are times where I'd like to be out there. <laughs> so how'd you make out? We had listeners asking on Facebook how you and the family did and the horses and everybody did. Well, we did just fine. I mean, we were very, very lucky. The northeastern edge of the storm caught us, and so we got a lot of wind, and, I, you know, I think it was Sunday night when the rain started. I'm like, oh, it's a big deal. It's just, you know, some rain. We'll get a little bit of wind. I'll go food shopping on Monday morning and everything will be fine. You know, I'll fill the horse's water. I have a big garbage pail that I fill with water when we have hurricane warnings. So um, I'm like, I'll fill the horse's water and everybody's got hay and shavings. We'll be good. Well, Monday comes around, Monday afternoon, and I was a little humbled by the wind speeds down here in Little Compton. Uh like, I could walk out from my house, the back door to the barn. I had to push through the wind to get out to the barn. Like, otherwise, it would have blown me over. It was so strong. Um, but, you know, we didn't have any damage. We didn't have any major trees down. There were trees down in Little Compton, some very big ones. But it wasn't, like, widespread, crazy destruction like they had in New Jersey or New York. Now, you lost power for a couple days, right? Yeah. We did. We lost power for two days. And, um, yeah, so we went out and we got ice and we kept things. I put everything from the refrigerator into the freezer. We got coolers. Um, and the hardest thing, the, <laughs> the hardest thing was 
not having my cell phone work, my smartphone. Oh, did, did, was it down too? Well, it's not that it was down, but your battery runs out fast with the smartphones. Yeah, yeah. So where do you charge it? So at like midnight on Monday night, I've got the truck running in the driveway and my phone plugged in and i'm like do you have to drive the car you were, in order to charge it? <laughs> the answer to that question is no you found out right i found out no <laughs> yeah there were a lot of people i'm sure using their cars to charge their phones in the northeast here the last couple of days yeah yeah it was um so that was a little frustrating and like everybody was texting me like my family from all over the country are you guys okay are you guys okay and we were so fine like monday night i think we were over at the neighbor's house next door grace was playing uh with their daughter they were playing horseopoly in front of the fire and <laughs> the grown-ups were drinking tequila <laughs> we had a couple of shots <laughs> what else are you gonna eat and popcorn i think and, there um, was a lot of alcohol consumed in the northeast too <laughs> <laughs> that's our coping and mechanism. i think there's gonna be a lot of babies as jennifer said earlier today there's gonna be a lot of babies named sandy thanks to this uh story. oh god yeah. <laughs> So, you know, we were just fine. And I'm like, why is everybody bugging me about this? It's just a little rain and wind. But then, you know, when you finally get connected, like I just got my Internet back this morning and I'm able to see what happened in New Jersey and New York. And now I understand why people were so freaked out. The saddest thing for me is the New Jersey Shore, because my whole childhood and teenage years growing up, I was incredibly connected to the Jersey Shore, you know, physically and, ge- I mean, emotionally and geographically. And to see, like, the roller coaster and the Ferris wheel, the whole boardwalk at Seaside Heights is, like, heartbreaking. Yeah, you know, Jennifer and I went down several times uh, to the Jersey Shore when we live in Pennsylvania. That's where you went, and you know, so we spent time in Atlantic City and on that boardwalk and, you know, at several of the towns. We drew- drove Route 1 up and down there, and, and it's hard to think that every one of those towns along Route 1 there is probably not there the way it was before. Yeah. Um, I mean, they've seen hurricanes before. I remember being on Long Beach Island, and I don't know if it was Gloria. It was a while. It was like in the 80s, late, late 80s. And um, I remember, like, the streets flooding. I remember people going down crossing Long Beach Island in canoes because the harbor, the bay, and the ocean just sort of met across the main drag there. But this blows that away. The pictures that I saw were crazy. And then you've spent a lot of time in New York City, too. And, uh, you know, I'm sure when you saw the pictures of the empty New York City, just nobody out in the streets, and that must be an eerie feeling for somebody like you that has spent so much time in the city with the hustle and the bustle. Yeah, whenever New York City gets deserted, it is creepy. I mean, it's cool when it's a snowstorm, but when everything, you know, when there's no white fluffy stuff and there's just no people around, it's definitely creepy. And I just got off the phone with my sister who, she lives in the Bronx. She lives in Parkchester, but she takes the subway into Manhattan because she works in Manhattan and um, she can't get to work. The subways are closed. Um, Her... School is closed. There's just all kinds of things that are are closed. And she's like, we're just sitting around waiting for the city to come back to life, essentially. You can't do anything. You're in the city and the city is sleeping. You know, it's like, what do you do in the city when the city Yeah, without the subways, which they said could be, what, five to seven days before they they clear the water out and then, you know, make sure they got to inspect everything. So No bus service, you know. Does she have power? Did she lose power where she was? She did not lose power. Okay. No, she did not lose power. But she did, <laughs> she did say they live in a high-rise condo, and they, she said that she has, she's going to go out and go for a walk because she and her husband are going to kill each other. <laughs> and they're out of, they're out of tequila. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us for a few minutes here this morning, Helena. I know you have a lot of work to do to get caught up. Your Internet just came back, and, uh, and your real job calls. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have you back on the show again next week. All right. Thanks, guys. See you soon. All right. See you, Helena. Well, it sounds like uh, Helena made it through unscathed. Uh, luckily, unlike uh, lots of parts of New Jersey and Connecticut and the rest of the East Coast. Yeah. Wow. She uh, she skirted it that time. but uh, she, she has skirted a few storms living at this new place. She better knock on wood or something. because. Uh, and, you know, if you, if you say, oh, I'm going to live in Rhode Island along the coast. She's, what, a mile from the beach? Yep. Or I'm going to live in Manhattan. Which one do you think is more likely to get blasted by a hurricane? Well, of course you would say along the coast in Rhode Island. Right. She she is just, <laughs> she's bucking the trend up there. 
I know, I know. Well, Helena, we'll, we'll look forward to having you back next week. I have to make a correction from last week's show where I screwed up. I did. Well, a re- there, that's nothing new. Don't <laughs> did, you do this every week? I know. I actually, uh, uh, but they let me know I screwed up. So, um, I we did a review of Fly Armor, which is a product that we had done on the Tack and Habit segment, which uh, you use with Beaker all the time. Yep. And I made a mistake and said that you have to replace the Fly Armor goop. The stuff that actually makes it work every week, and it's not. It's every four weeks, right? Yes. It's, yeah, it, it lasted comfortably uh, four or five weeks, yes. That was just my mistake. I misspoke. Um, it, so this lasts much longer than I said, and uh, uh, they say four weeks, and, and that's what you found. It, it really yes, does the, the, if we got a lot of rain, it would be just barely four weeks. If less rain comfortably four weeks and he wears it 24 7 so uh, i'm so far fly armor has done everything that the manufacturer claims they have been spot on and you still have a have it on him right yes because we have these little tiny i don't know what kind of flies there are they're small flies that i would call a house fly and they are still out when the sunshine comes out and they get on his ears and his eyes and they munch a lot so he is still wearing his fly armor and if it's cooler, it just lasts longer. It's not like it fades away. So um, he's probably going to wear that probably well into November because of the house flies. And, of course, we live in Florida, so nothing, nothing uh, uh, goes away as quickly down here because we don't get as cold. So Yes. Hey, I, I wanted to give you this one. Yeah. I, you know, as you know, riding here in Florida since we got here in April, it's, I call it the daily wildlife adventure because there's always some kind of a critter story when I come back from a ride. Uh, so yesterday we went out for our ride, and when I got back, I took the saddle off. I always take the saddle off first and stow it away and then come back for the saddle pads. <laughs> when I came back for the saddle pads, what did I find underneath of my saddle on top of the saddle pad but a three-and-a-half-inch long squished flat as a pancake palmetto bug (laughs) (laughs) and they are big down here they're giant they're They're, like pie plates they basically look like big roaches roaches. uh, yeah (laughs) apparently i did not shake the saddle pad out sufficiently before i threw it on his back (laughs) i'll tell you what i shake i i check my shoes i shake my clothes out before i put them on because occasionally they'll get in the house yeah. And you move a piece of cloth, and there's one. So I shake everything out. I don't take yeah, any I'm just, chances. I'm just glad it was a palmetto bug and not one of those tree frogs. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Which jump up and uh, scare you to death. Yeah, so we, we have had our critter experiences down here. That's yeah. for sure. Hey, yeah. hey, I also wanted to mention apparently something else I messed up. It is um, flyarmor.net, not flyarmor.com. Flyarmor.net, not flyarmor.com. Yes. So I messed that up too last week. I pretty much messed that it all up last week. So you're a hot mess. Hey, I do a lot of these shows. I'm I'm allowed to have mistakes every once in a while. You're a hot mess. And if uh, if you didn't get a chance earlier in the week to listen on Wednesday to Horses in the Morning, you should do that. Today is the first day of the Breeders' Cup uh, starts this afternoon, so you definitely want to listen to Wednesday's Horses in the Morning show. We had what what I would consider has to go on our best of list. One of our best shows, and where we did a Breeders' Cup preview, and we had some terrific guests. We had ex jockeys, uh, the Mig Miglieri. Uh, we had Frankie Lovato. Between the two of them, they had over ten thousand wins. Uh, Mig works for HRTV now, and came on from the barns there in California at Santa Anita. And Frankie it joined us on a regular basis. We all made our picks about who was going to win. And then we had the owners of Mucho Macho Man on. They were they're always a fun guest to have on, and. It just uh, was a terrific, fun show. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to that, uh, go back and take a listen to Wednesday's Horses in the Morning show at horsesinthemorning.com. If if you are listening to this episode of Stable Scoop three years hence, that would be Wednesday, October 31st. 2012. <laughs> 2012. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we uh, it was just a fun show. We really had a good it time. Was, it was a blast. I was falling off my chair laughing. And uh, what else? Uh, that was about it for for notes from previous weeks. Let's just go right away. Uh, we have a commercial here from Promat, from Stable Comfort by Promat. And then we're going to speak with Jamie Clark, who's CEO of Yellow Barn Media, with the, we- with the monthly social media report. We'll be right back. Hey folks, Coach Jen here from the Horse Tip Daily Show. 
All of us as horsemen mull over our horse's nutrition and stress out over their stress level and fret about their fitness. But when is the last time you puzzled over your horse's lounging and sleeping comfort? Research has shown us over and over that quantity as well as quality of rest and sleep are crucial for top athletic performance as well as overall well-being. Enter Stable Comfort by Promat. Stable Comfort mimics the characteristics of natural pasture, providing a safe, clean, and comfortable surface for your horse. Its wall-to-wall waterproof design gives your horse confidence to walk, lie down, and get back up without fear of slipping. And as a bonus, less bedding is required and results in fewer labor hours to clean stalls. Head on over to StableComfort.com and find out why champions like Nick Skelton, Mary King, and Chris Cox use Stable Comfort by Promat Systems for their equine athletes. Well, hi, Jamie, and welcome back to the show. Hi, Glenn, and thank you for having me. So tell me, what are we talking about this month? We are talking about content. Content is king. Yeah, you know, when Facebook and Twitter and that first started, it was one of the conversations that we had early on. Uh, we actually had a conference about it is, is, you know, it's novel now, but as more and more people get it and more and more people are involved and more and more people are using it, that content was going to become the most important thing, whereas we could get away with fluff in the beginning. Sure, yeah, and I, I agree with that completely. And last time, Glenn, on the last time that I was on, we talked about how to bring new fans to your social media platforms, you know, using things like constant contact, email campaigns, Facebook ads, and making sure that you have icons on your website. And most business owners, once they start getting new fans, their main question to me usually is, well, how do we create that content? And how do we make it exciting? And like you said, how do we make it more than fluff? And so, you know, the number one key I truly believe to creating awesome content is when you can learn to think like your consumer. There are so many different businesses out there, and there are a lot of businesses that are very alike. And how can you stand out from your competitors and offer something different and more creative? And there's one, actually, I just wanted to mention today, there's one book that really helped me. It's a very quick read, and it helped me to really understand how people think better. And I'll have it posted on my Facebook page as well, but it's called Read Their Mind by Sandy Krakowski. And she she gives triggers to watch for and listen to when you're hearing people and watching people on social media. And she really talked about how to truly engage your fans and your followers. And, you know, really what you can post and what prompts someone to like it or comment or share. And better yet, what can you post that would prompt someone to leave a testimonial for you possibly? And, you know, once you can learn to think like your consumer and you're able to, you know, respond in a way, it's going to better build your business. And I wanted to mention real quick, to our listeners, if they want to grab a pen and pencil, I've got some really, really great quick tips of some places where you can find content that will kind of cut your time down in finding that, that good, creative content. That's great, because I'll tell you what, uh, uh, here at the Horse Radio Network, we have survived on fluff all this time. So maybe it's about <laughs> time that we actually put some content out there. What do you think, Jennifer? I don't know. Oh, man, why change now? <laughs> I hate change. <laughs> Well, these are easy, and I think I think these suggestions really come naturally to certain people. And if they don't come naturally, if these are some just quick ways where you can find content that I believe is truly engaging. So I'll jump right into this because I know we just have a few minutes. So go ahead. Um, if a couple, I'm just going to run through these real quick, and then I'll give a, a few quick examples as well. Some really great places to find content are books. Whether you're a reader, whether you listen to audiobooks, whether you listen, listen to professional development or, you know, things that have to do with certain areas of the horse industry, there's always amazing information in books, you know, quotes and things of that nature. I think that asking questions is always something that makes for good content. Ask engaging questions and open-ended questions. Like, for example, what is your favorite breed of horse? 
you know, what is your um, favorite style of uh, horse blanket or polo wrap or anything that has to do with the horse industry especially. The one thing that always works great is photos. And with photos, you do have to be careful that you're always making sure that you're giving credit where credit is due, that you're not stealing photos and posting them on your social media. Um, so you can find photos. There's a lot of different ways where you can find free stock photos. And instead of listing those, I'll also post those on my Facebook page and on my website so that, you know, you can go there and find where you can get photos quickly and, and fun photos. And also, I know this sounds a little bit strange maybe for the horse industry, but a lot of times you can find very heartwarming stories, quotes, and inspiring information in magazines, things like the Reader's Digest and things like that. And obviously, there's tons of horse magazines out there and lots of great content in the horse world, but sometimes just um, really looking at people's emotions and, you know, depending on if it's the holidays, magazines are another great place. Again, specifically whatever horse magazine that you read, there's always probably tips and tricks, you know, how to clean your helmet, how to prepare for winter, uh, you know, lots of things like that. So all of those are really great content that typically are very, very engaging. And one other thing that I absolutely love as far as engagement is, you know, taking part in other pages, you know, whether it, a great page that I would highly recommend, and I'll also post the link to this as well, is uh, Randy Thompson has um, a page on Facebook that has won multiple awards, and it's the name of the page is How to Market Your Horse Business. And just a quick story for me that's been very successful, um, they have something called Friend Friday, and they, they really want people to establish connections and network with other people in the horse industry. And I've actually, by commenting and liking and just being an active part of that page as a business owner and a horse lover, I have been I have actually received in the last six months two clients that just looked at me and said, we like the way you write. We want you to help us with our social media. So um, as far as content, you know, taking part in other people's pages as well works fantastic. Any success stories that you have for your business, people love hearing those. Share with us. You know, like for the Horse Radio Network, you know, how are you connecting businesses and inspiring business owners and horse owners? You know, give us some success stories. We love that stuff. And, of course, if you have press releases or other important information about your business, I think that's good. People want to keep up to date with what you're doing in your business as well. You know, there's no change from when we used to, you know, in sales before the Internet and before Facebook and all of that. There, there is no change uh, in in the adage that you've got to get out there. You just got to get out in front mm -hmm. of people. And I think that goes with you, you know, you saying that you've got to be involved in other people's pages. Um, it, that's exactly right. And that's, that's what helps make this all work is, you know, we've, we've done through our, through our guests and things, we've been able to network in places that we wouldn't have gotten to normally, mm -hmm. but that's how people hear about our shows is, is through that networking. And, and, you know, like Randy Thompson, you were just talking about her page. She's been on our show numerous times, you know, and, and her page is terrific for that. Um, yeah. And she is, she's fantastic. You know, and there's others out there. Mandy Widrick does it, and, and some of the others that are really, really good in, in the social media space uh, are, are always out there in front of people. And I think the other thing, too, is, is on what we have found is engaging people. If you post something, you need to ask a question around it. You need to, you need to hit a heartstring to, in, to really cause that person to want to take a couple of seconds out of their day and respond to it. Otherwise, they're just going to read the article you posted, and if you don't ask mm -hmm. anything, if you don't ask for a response, you're not going to get one. Yes, and, and the, that is, you hit the nail on the head, Glenn. And one thing, I, I think people overthink what to post. You know, this is a great example. I saw a, a sign that someone had made on someone's page, and I, I looked at it, and I loved it. And it this is what it said. It says, I wasn't born in a barn, but I got there as fast as I could. And I shared that from the other page and gave them kudos and said how great I thought this was. Within the first three days of me posting that on my Facebook page, I had 198 shares. Now, that didn't have anything directly to do with my business. It had to do with exactly what you said, pulling on the heartstrings and causing someone to take action. And, of course, people read this stuff and they love it. So my, my encouraging word is just to don't overthink it. 
try a few different things, especially if you're just starting out. Try quotes, try questions, try fill in the blank, try a few things, see what works over the course of your, you know, first 90 days or, you know, your 90 days of um, trying different things. See what works, see what your customers like, and continue to do that. Very good. Well, thank you so much for joining us again this month. We appreciate it, and we'll have you back again next month. And, of course, it's yellowbarnmedia.com, and people can reach you through the website there? Yes, they can. Thank you so much, Glenn and Jennifer, for having me on the show today. Yellow Barn Media, yellowbarnmedia.com. Well, we thank Jamie for joining us here every month to talk about social media. You know, it has become so much the, a part of everybody's life. If you have a barn, if you run a stable, if, if you do training or anything, if you're involved in competition, you're living on social media now. Absolutely. I, I book guests via social, me- social media sometimes nowadays. As a matter of fact, that has made our job a lot easier since when we started three years ago. Booking guests, you had to find contact information, and if it wasn't on their website, it was tough. And now that has made it so much easier with people on Facebook. Well, it's many, many people involved in the horse industry, particularly riders and trainers, um, because a, a website requires some expert somewhere to keep it up to date. It's a lot easier to find up-to-date contact information and up-to-date what you're up to, and for that matter, find them at all on their Facebook pages than it is their websites. You can, you can surf for hours trying to find somebody's website, and if it's not properly set up and maintained, you're just not going to find it. But you just type their name in, and usually you can find them on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, and it, it just has made our job so much easier. So thank you, Facebook yeah. and Twitter. Yeah. Twitter, thank too. You. Twitter, too, yeah. Well, our next guest is is really taking advantage of uh, new media and social media, and uh, he's doing that in an effort to make an unbelievable ride. Now, you, how'd you come across him? Somebody posted something random on Facebook. There you go. <laughs> uh huh. And I I surfed around and I found Philippe via Out Outland TV. Yep. Out, Out Wild TV was yep. his sponsor for this ride. It's called Out Wild TV, and they have both a website and a Facebook page, and I encourage you to check them out, too. And you'll find all of his posts at outwildtv.com. Um, so, fascinating fella. Just had a great time chatting with this guy. His name is Felipe Leite, and he's a Brazilian journalist uh, that was really coming out of Toronto. And what he is doing is riding from Canada all the way to Brazil. Yes, riding horses from Canada all the way to Brazil. It's a 10,000-mile journey. He'll go through 12 different countries, and he, he just just a brave, brave soul to do this. And we'll find out why he's doing it here in just a minute. We'll be back right after this word from Equestrian Collections with Felipe. Well, hi, Felipe. Thank you so much for taking time out of your ride to join us today. Matt, thank you for having me. This is amazing. I love the show, so I'm glad to be on. Well, you know, you, um, you, you've been riding quite a while now, as we said in the introduction there, and you're in New Mexico currently, right? Yeah, beautiful New Mexico. I'd never been here before, and it's just it's so fabulous. Like, the moon is huge. You get these beautiful mesas, like these flat-top mountains everywhere. Um, I'm really enjoying the ride through here. Well, now, let's, let's go back here. I watched uh, many of your videos that are online at uh, journeyamerica.net. And, cool. you know, I saw your start up there in Canada. And then uh, you started out with two horses, right? Yep, started out with uh, my boys, Frenchman, True Angel, and Bruiser. That's uh, two horses that were donated from ranches in Montana. And they're quarter horses? Yeah, they're quarter horses, registered quarter horses. Uh, one of them, uh, French, he actually came from Stan Weaver, and he used to be the president of the Quarter Horse Association out there. And the other one, uh, Bruiser, came from uh, Copper Spring Ranch, which is a beautiful facility out in um, in Montana. And uh, they, they deal with barrel horses and roping horses, and they kind of fell in love with the idea. I pitched them the story, and uh, they came along on board and, and donated the horses, which was a, a great help because when I started this thing, I, I had no money. I was just coming out of uh, university, and as we know, uh, students are pretty broke. So it was kind of like I 
Yeah, she's laughing. You know what it's like. I know well, Mario. Yeah. <laughs> so he's a broke college student. What should I do? <gasps> Ride across North America. Be broke. Exactly. We'll be really broke some more. <laughs> exactly. No, actually, I, this is the, the best best date I've ever been financially because I uh, I sold uh, this this uh, crazy idea, as some would call it. I ah. call it a dream. I sold it to a production company in Nashville, and they pay me monthly to do this. So. People ask me, they're like, how do you do this? Like, what's your job? I'm like, this is my job. I'm getting paid to ride my horses through 12 countries. And, and that was my dream all along. You know, when I was about to graduate from uh, university, I, I knew I wanted to do this. Um, the story of Aim Chifley had always resonated with me very strongly. He rode uh, two horses from Argentina to New York in 1925. My dad fell in love with the story uh, down in Brazil and, and told it to me as a young child. And never left my mind. And I just, it was, it was stronger than me when I was about to graduate. It, was, it just came back to me and it was like, either I did this or I did nothing. And I just had to find a way to make it work. I didn't have any money, like I said. So, you know, I, I went out, it took me a year, uh, tried to get sponsorship. No one wanted anything to do with it. Um, so I put that down. I was like, this is not going to work. So I started looking for um, loans. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have to take out a loan to do this. But uh, luckily, the universe opened its doors last minute, got the horses donated two months before I left, got the production company involved a month before I left. Uh, they flew me down to Nashville, gave me all the equipment, and uh, here I am today in New Mexico, almost four months later. Wow. And what was your major in? in uh, journalism. journalism. I studied journalism and uh, focused on uh, broadcast, uh, love documentaries, shot a documentary in Peru, uh, another one in uh, Kenya before I graduated. And uh, knew automatically that's what I wanted to do. I think um, I love to write, but I think that today we're, we're sort of such a visual society, especially the, the kids my age, you know, I call myself a kid, I'm turning 26 this week, but I still feel like I'm 16. Um, we just, you know, we're visual and, and I, I really strive for a better world and a more just world. That's why I'm doing this. And I think if you show people a reality they don't know, they will be changed forever and they won't be able to go back to, to the bliss, you know to the ignorance so that's what that's my hope is to show people maybe someday they didn't know before well you know we we've we've actually followed a couple of people who have ridden across the united states and had them on the shows and the one thing that they learned along the way now they were going the other direction from east to west you're going from north to south okay. and yeah one of the things they found along the way was they were amazed at at, at how generous people are and that there still are yeah. those generous super nice people in the world it's amazing you know and, and that's what this what this trip is giving me the opportunity to do is to to show that we need not focus on the bad you know like you you turn on the news in the morning and you want to shoot yourself you don't want to leave your house because people are dying in the hurricane and this and that but really 99 percent of people are, are amazing people and if you just you know when you go on this on a question trip like this you realize that they'll open their homes for a complete stranger and help you with hay, water, feed, and they want to learn your story and, and tell you theirs, and it's just amazing. That that's you, you, you hit the nail on the head there. That's, that's the best part of the trip is you kind of regain your trust in humanity. So when you entered college, did you have, yeah. did you have this uh, kernel in the back of your little creative yeah. brain that this would eventually happen? Yeah. Or was this a light bulb moment later on? No, this was a very, it, was, it happened very slowly. Like I had, I had joked around with people. Like I was traveling through Central America um, in 2006. I backpacked from uh, Guatemala all the way to Panama. And I had looked to buy horses because I, I wanted, like the Chif, like I said, the Chifley story never left my mind. It had been there. My dad told me the story. It's the first story I remember. I must've been like four years old and uh, had always loved horses and always rode and rodeoed and roped. And so it was always around horses. So it, you know, the story was just always there. So it was just a gradual thing. And then once I got closer and closer to graduating, it was like, Hmm, like, I wonder if this is actually possible. And then, you know, start doing the research one night, you know, my dad sends me, he's like, Oh my God, I found this website that has Chifley's story and all these other stories, which was the Long Riders Guild. And, you know, started getting deep into that website and reading all these, like Bernice Andy, who was doing this today and, and all these people that were traveling out there. And I was like, Oh my God, it's still possible. So it was gradual. And then one day a year, like, oh, I guess now it'd be almost two years ago. I just, you know, cause I think the hardest part of a trip like this is saying you're going to do it. 
doing it is the easy part. Like, you know, committing to it and saying, okay, I'm going to do this and then having to come through with it. That was the hardest part. So one day I just sitting on my computer, I took a, a screenshot of my, of my, uh, uh, Google map of the Americas. And I went on Facebook and said, I'm going to ride a horse from Canada to Brazil. And like moments later, people were already commenting on it being like, are you crazy? Like, you can't ride. A- are you nuts? Like, are you, are you doing drugs? Like, no, I'm like, I'm going to do this. And that's where it started from that point on. I couldn't like, there was no option of not doing it. Like once people knew that I had said I was going to do it, I had to do it. And I think that's what pushed me to, to just, you know, I, I got doors closed in my face for a whole year, just left, right and center. No one wanted any part of it. People didn't believe in it. I lost friends because of it. You know, people just couldn't understand it. It was just too much for them to fathom. But well, you got to admit, it's a little, it's a little fringe, just a little bit fringe. <laughs> but isn't that what life is all about? Like, who wants to live in the mundane? Like, shoot me in the head. Like, I don't want to do that. Like, I wanna, okay, I but I do have to ask you a question. I saw the video. Now, you you went alone for a, a good portion of the top part of our country here in the United States. And then, yeah. and then I saw you were met up by your beautiful girlfriend, who apparently didn't leave you because you were going to do this wacky thing. <laughs> yeah, she was. I had to convince her though; it was tough. I think I'm just a good lover. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, he's honest no, anyway. Uh, <laughs> now let's ask her that question. You know, she's the one we need to ask that question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's call her up right now. No, um, she's. Uh, She's amazing. She's just been uh, so helpful. And it's um, like throughout the whole process from the beginning, uh, she helped me with the the initial planning stage when she loves making lists and I I hate making lists. So, you know, we sat there and went through all the things that I needed to do and the contacts I needed to make. And and today she's here with me. And it's just, you know, it's hard to be away from someone you love. And uh, the water situation got really hard in the U.S., as you know, you know, the worst drought in, in a generation. And uh, when I was in southern Wyoming, like, I, I had a couple nights where I had to give my horses uh, oil because there was no water. I was by myself in the middle of nowhere. And it's just tough, you know. Like, it, it, it's really hard because when you're traveling horseback, <clears throat> you expect so much from your horses. And they, you know, if you if you own a horse, you know that you become very, very close to them very quickly. And when you're spending... 24 hours a day with them, seven days a week, that happens even faster. So when you can't provide the simple things that they need, like water and feed, you, you start to, to just, it's not a good mental state. So it just made sense for her to come out. Uh, we have a car with us now, and uh, she's going to come with me till I get to Texas. Now we can, we can carry feed for the horses, so the horses aren't dropping weight. We carry water, which is really important here in New Mexico because there's no water anywhere, and there's no people. Like, you'll go through stretches of, like, 60 miles before you see a house and so if she wasn't here i i don't know how i would be traveling i'd have to to get someone to drop water ahead and stuff so it's been really great but once i get to um to uh, mexico i'll be continuing by myself again well now you uh you i watched some of your videos as you were coming through you know the 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 flatlands and parts of the country that do get pretty boring there for a while and you had an experience, the one video I watched, uh, apparently with some wildlife uh, crossed the road in front of you and, and, and scared oh you a bit. Oh, my God. I, had a, I almost had a heart attack, man. I'd never <laughs> seen a grizzly bear like that before in my life. And I like I thought he was just going to kill me. Like I saw myself just getting mauled by this grizzly bear in slow motion in my head. My horses are freaking out. I'm on the side of this road. And I just had to get off and just like do one of those like, oh, God, what just happened? And then I got scared because people – see, the thing is that – I'm scared of grizzly bears because I have no concept of bears. Like I didn't grow up around bears. Like that's not something I had to worry about as a child. You know what I mean? So you don't, you don't know anything about it. So it's so different for me. Like, I don't know if they're going to come run after me. Like people tell me, Oh, be careful. Sometimes they'll stalk you. Like that's so creepy. So it was a really scary experience, but, uh, and then I ran through, uh, into a rattlesnake later on that day. Uh, it was dead, but, yeah, it, it was a it was a good day. Well, it made for a fun <laughs> video, though, Felipe. I got to. Yeah, you. <laughs> exactly. That's what it's all about, right? Me swearing my face. And then, oh, and then that it wasn't that night. It was a couple of days later. But in the video, it's that night, right? Um, it continues on to that night. And uh, I was sleeping in a place, and there was uh, bear droppings everywhere. And this guy came up, and he's like. Uh, just be careful with the bears. I'm like, there's bears. There's just one bear. And he laughs and leaves. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> I was so scared. I was, like, in the forest. And I was like, oh, I don't want to sleep here. So then I went over and slept by the horses. I'm like, 
Uh, they'll keep me safe. <laughs> <laughs> At least they'll wake you up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They'll keep me, give me a head start when they start freaking out. I'll be able to run somewhere. I don't know where. It's like pitch black. And well, I, I was that was uh, my pack horse was uh, had the bruiser had bit Frenchie's back and it turned into a sore. So I didn't have my pack with me. I was, tra- I was traveling with a backpack, so I had to sleep under the stars on my horse blankets with a slicker over me. So I didn't have like a tent to kind of. Not that a tent would protect you, but at least you can't see yourself getting mauled, you know? <laughs> one of the, 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 the one girl that we did follow, she had a problem, and we actually met her when she came through Ohio. She was having oh, a cool. problem with saddle sores and, and the horse's back, you know, in addition to yeah. her own butt, you know? Um, <laughs> what have you found the, the challenges health-wise for the horses and you? Yeah, that's something that's very tough with the amount of hours you're putting in the saddle, um, you know, saddle sores happen. Like I, uh, Frenchie got a saddle sore, which was started by a bite. And then, you know, you, you have to keep, I was just starting out. Like I couldn't, I mean, I guess I could have, but because of the winter too, like you, you can't stop cause you're going to get caught and like, you know, it would stop the trip almost for the entire winter. If I was up in Montana and it started getting really cold. So I had to keep moving. And then, so you just kind of got to work around it. That's what I found. You have to be a very flexible person. So if something happens to your horses, you either need to wait it out. You know, you can't have a problem with that to be like, okay, my horse has a sore. I got to wait here for a month or, or you just got to make something work. So what I did is I sent a pack saddle ahead to Bozeman to one of my sponsors, Copper Spring Ranch, got a backpack on my back and put the essentials. Like I was traveling with like two socks, a pair of underwear, one pair of jeans, which was so stupid of me because it meant I could never wash my jeans because otherwise I'd be standing in my underwear drinking coffee at someone's house. Like, oh, this coffee is amazing. My jeans are almost done, though. Yeah, it was the stupidest idea ever. My computer, you know, it, it sucked. Like, and I, I couldn't camp out. Like, I was depending on staying from ranch to ranch. Luckily, you know, when you need it, it's like that was the part of the trip where I ne- hardly ever had to sleep outside. People always were networking for me and being like, oh, yeah, there's a place for you to stay here, a place for you to stay there. So it worked out, but you got to be flexible. You know, your horses come first, their health come first. Um, you know, they never had a choice in this. Like, I kind of said, hey, horses, get ready. We're going to Brazil. But I think there's a way to do it so they're enjoying it. You know, horses are natural wanderers. They like to walk. Um, I always let them graze, and I think they're having a good time. And when I get to Brazil, these horses will be retired. I'm giving them to my little six-year-old sister so she can pamper them for the rest of their lives. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're are you on the same two horses? Did I see in one video you had some yeah. new horses and they weren't getting along? Yeah. So this when I uh, when I was getting to uh, to Bozeman there when I I took a week off just to rest and. Bruiser kicked the fence and his, his legs swelled right up and he wouldn't put any weight on it. And I was like, oh, this isn't good. So then Copper Spring lent me another horse. I went through Yellowstone and coming out of Yellowstone, uh, Frenchie was going into a river and he just let his back end like hang over there and he jumped in, which was funny at the time. But as soon as we got to the road, like he wasn't putting any weight on his back, mm-hmm. uh, back right leg. He hurt his stifle really bad we were worried that he wouldn't even be able to continue because sometimes those injuries can take a really long time. So I left them, both of them, at Copper Spring Ranch, and then a few weeks later they were good to go, so they uh, they shipped them down to me. But they lent me two horses to do this. Uh, very young horses, had never left the ranch before, and at first it was very hard to work with them because, you know, horses are freak animals. They're so skittish and scared, and, and you take a horse that's never left the ranch before and you put them next to a road and plastic bags flying by and guardrails and bridges and rivers and it was just really hard but you know I was really in crisis mode at first I was like oh like you don't want to leave your horses you know you're like ah this is going to be so hard and then you're having to deal with these horses but after the experience I have to say like it was amazing because now those two animals are so much more mature than when I got them like you know we crossed like from yellow we crossed Wyoming and like some crazy terrain and cars and and they're used to it now, and they love it, you know. And and I'm a better horseman for it because I had to to adapt to these horses and and train them how how to pack and how to to cross bridges. So in the end, it all worked out, and Bruiser and Frenchie got to fatten up a bit and um, you know deal with their injuries, and now they're back and they're looking great. Are you back with the original herd, or do you still have your yep. substitutes? No, st- got my horses back after a few weeks. Uh, I think it was uh, three or four weeks. Um, Bruiser and French are back, and and 
I have a third horse that I never mentioned, uh, Texas. He was donated by a rancher in Wyoming. I was uh, doing some cowboying up there. I got a really cool chance to work at a ranch, um, 9,000 plus head of cattle. Uh, it was just a dream come true. I think any cowboy uh, loves big ranches. And I never had an opportunity, you know, growing up in Canada. Uh, there's just have feedlots up there. So I was working out there and helping them out and loving it. And then on the last day, he's like, you know, I've been thinking about your trip. He's like, you need a third horse. Because then you can always rest one of your horses, you know, pony and bareback every day in, in case, like we said, they get a saddle sore or something. You Very know, you got smart that cowboy right there. there. Yeah, yeah, but I'll tell exactly. you what, have you found that to be created? Uh, from what I've read from other people who have done this and talked yeah. to is the third horse almost creates more of a problem than it's worth sometimes. Uh, not not for me, you know. Okay. Like, if, First of all, when he said, you know, he, he said the horse is yours automatically like okay like this is my horse now like for me that's a big thing right so um you know it became my horse yeah it's tough for like uh, feed feed's very expensive yeah. right now i'm having a hard time with that it's an extra mouth but it really helps because you always give one horse a break and it makes a big difference it can be a little challenging because now you have three horses and as we know they're like children one is always bickering at the other and when you're dealing with traffic and you know smaller roads it can be a little hard but if you're on top of your horses and you, you know them all and they know you, I don't I don't think there's a problem. I'm going to reanalyze. He told me you can take the horse uh, all the way to Texas. There's another ranch over there if you want to leave them and continue with just the two. Or if you want to take them all the way to Brazil, that's fine too. So once I get to Texas, I'm going to kind of sit down and, and, and see if it's best to go with the three or just stick to Frenchie and Bruiser. But we'll see. You know, like I said, it, it's flexibility. It's a journey. It's like life. You know, you, you get to a mountain and you got to climb it. You figure it out. You either add a third horse or, you, you know, there's no set rules to doing this. It's, it's just living. So you take it day by day and, and do what's best. Follow your instincts. That's important. So Texas is sort of the next big landmark for you? Yeah, Texas. Uh, I'll be going into Texas here probably in a couple weeks. I'll be getting in there. And then um, heading down to uh, Piedras Negras. That's that's where I hope to cross the border, Balerito there. And um, are you before concerned? I do that, are you concerned about Mexico at all? So with the, um, I think. I, I are think, you packing, um, Felipe? That's yeah. what we want to know. Are you packing? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't pack. Yeah, I think uh, guns just add to the problem. Um, <laughs> if someone wants to take something from you, you give it to them. You know, yeah. your life is more important. I would be concerned right when, now with everything I'm hearing. You know, out of Mexico. That's why I asked yeah, that question. I know, and and I'm getting. This is what when I started out, I wasn't concerned, um, but now I am because it's been four months of people being like you're going to die. You're going to Mexico. <laughs> what do you mean you're going to Mexico? So now I'm starting to get worried. And it, 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 it is a very serious um, issue. And that's why when I, I'm going to sit down and, uh, and really, you know, figure out my route and uh, try to make some good contacts because Northern Mexico is in fact going to be very dangerous. And uh, if the cart, they'll know I'm coming. So if the cartel wants to do some, um, I'm very exposed. I'm, I'm on the side of the road for eight to 10 hours a day, uh, traveling at three miles an hour. So, um, you know, you just hope not to be caught at the wrong place at the wrong time. I think that's the but, important thing. Uh, they're, they're not going to want you for much, but you, you're caught at the right. wrong place at the wrong time is, is the You key. don't want to stumble yeah. exactly onto something. And, uh, but, you know, John Wayne's got a, a quote, which I love, and I think it, it, it just it rings very true with this entire trip and, and my life, you know. Um, he says, courage is, uh, is being scared half to death, but saddling up anyways. And and that's what it's all about. Like, I was scared when I left on, from Calgary. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. You know, there's always a little bit of fear. But that's what life's all about. you just got to do it because at the end of the day, it, it turns out okay. And, you know, I've gone to Africa and people are like, oh, my God, you're going to die in Kenya. And, and I got robbed and they took all my things. And, and that was it. You know, you give it to them and, and hope that they spare your life. But I was just talking to I'm um, staying at a, a wonderful woman's house here. She's taking me in Connie. Um, just outside of Albuquerque, she has a feed store here. And, and we were talking and it's like, what do you want your gravestone to say? Like Felipe Leite hit by a bus downtown Toronto or Felipe Leite <laughs> shot down in Mexico while traveling to 12 countries horseback. I picked the second one, you know, like we're all going to die anyways. Like what's the big secret here? Might as well die doing something you love, you know, and, and facing your fears. 
Well, Felipe, we hope that, that you don't have that problem at all, that this isn't an issue to, at all. Uh, yeah, but if let's... it is, celebrate my life. Don't, okay. don't get sad. Be happy because <laughs> I, I died doing something I loved. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's wish you the best, uh, the best through, through the rest of Thank our country you. and then through a bunch of countries down. Uh, and yeah. and uh, hopefully we'll see you finish this when? For sure, and you guys, you got to come to Brazil. You know, if I manage to pull this off, which I think I will, you got to do a live show from. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to pull into Barretos, which is a pretty big rodeo down there, a million people every night. Um, do you so mind you if we fly to, down? To come down. Do you mind if we fly down to meet you there? Is that okay? Oh no, you got to you got to ride a set of mules. You can't you can't fly down. <laughs> No, no, you definitely, you definitely, you can fly, you can fly. Felipe, <laughs> relationship with mules is a whole other show. Yeah, <laughs> Felipe, you can find all of his videos. They are terrific. Obviously, you've had you had some classes in college on on making videos because they're great. Journeyamerica.net is where you can find all of his information. Is there any other websites? I uh, know that sounds good. You can follow me on. Uh, I'm always on Twitter. I'm a, I'm a child of. Uh, of the internet. So I'm always on Twitter, Instagram at Felipe Massetti and yeah, uh, Facebook journey America. All right. Very good. Thank you, Felipe and best of luck. Have a great time. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Well, we're going to wrap it up this week. No tack and have it this week where you have a lot of products coming up for you over the next couple of weeks with, uh, with the holidays coming in and we have our special holiday episode that'll be coming up as well. So, uh, we're going to pass on that this week. We're, we also have some things we have to get done here today. And again, hey, hey, Glenn. Yeah. Before we go, I have a challenge for the listeners. Okay. And you're going to email your replies to Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. We were we spent a lot of the show today on all of our shows across the board, or this week, lamenting our loss of cell phones and our loss of power and this and that and the other thing because of Hurricane Sandy. What? And this is for your, our listeners. What item? related to horses that you if you had to live without it for a week would drive you to drink what one thing if it was removed from your daily existence with your horse would drive you bonkers so what's I yours think, i you know i think it would have to be my curry comb really yeah <laughs> and it's, it's it's something stupid and, and you would think that well big deal like i think nowadays people would rather be without electricity than without internet that's probably true. That yeah, is probably true. As a matter of fact, a bunch of our friends who were without internet uh, and had electricity were going nuts. So Yeah. Take my power away. Turn the lights off. I can turn on a candle. I'm okay. But don't take away my either my internet or my cell phone service. So what is it about your horse life? I, I think if I had to make do without my curry comb, because it's, it's my little multitasker. It does a lot of stuff. What would you not be able to live without? Or maybe duct tape. <laughs> there you go. So send, send your replies to Jennifer at HorseRadioNetwork.com. Very good. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us this week. And again, our best to everybody who was affected by Sandy. And we will be back here again next week. Helena and I, thank you, Jennifer, for filling in. And don't forget, you can find Jennifer at horsetipdaily.com, the Daily Tip Show. Uh, she has a whole bunch of good information over there. And you went over 700 right now, right? You betcha. 700 tips. Wow. There you go. That's a ton of good information. Take a year to listen to it. Uh, and you can find all of our shows at horseradionetwork.com. Say goodbye, Jennifer. Goodbye, Jennifer. And happy scooping. <laughs> you got it wrong, too. You and Helena can't get the ending right. It doesn't say that anywhere. It says, well, Helena, that's it for this week. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs>